Hey, it's Nelly. And it's Juno. And you're listening to Two Addies and Coffee, please. Where we share unfiltered life experiences as young, badass Asian American women with ADHD. Welcome to episode four of Two Addies and a Coffee, Please. In this episode, we're going to talk about being vulnerable and naked, aka emotional stripping. And low-key, this is what we've been doing in the last three episodes. So Nelly, how have you felt about stripping for all our listeners? I would first off like to thank everyone who actually listened to our first four episodes of our podcast. I genuinely didn't think that many people would be listening. Honestly, thought maybe 10 of our friends would be curious and listen. But when we looked at our engagement and all the comments and DMs that we've gotten on Instagram and different platforms, it was honestly mind-blowing that so many of you guys would actually spend your time listening to us and basically hear all of our emotional stripping being naked and listening with your little ear holes. (laughs) So thank you so much. Being vulnerable is something that we all struggle with. It wasn't easy exposing ourselves like that. But I think it's necessary to share some of our experiences, especially for people who can relate to that and feel some sort of comfort. How did you feel, Juno? I think because we have these expectations to be vulnerable and authentic to this podcast, we end up revealing a lot of things that we don't actually think too much about revealing before just saying them. So I definitely feel naked sometimes. And I think when people came up to me talking about specific things I said, it's a bit of a shock. Like, how do you know that? But it's because I said it in the podcast. I think because of this, me and Nelly actually became more vulnerable with each other in our conversations. And a lot of people seemed to really appreciate it. So that was really surprising to me because we didn't even realize we were being vulnerable sometimes. It's just like, oh, we're doing this podcast, a project that we want to do. It's kind of like when you didn't even know you had nudes out there and someone came up and gave you like a naked picture of yourself. You're like, whoa, what the fuck? Was that was that out there? <laughs> But now it's like out there and I'm like, oh, okay, this is the first time we told people that we have things that we're struggling with. And I think that was the first time publicly or even at all that we said it to someone else that wasn't just people who are the closest to us. Mm-hmm. Certain things I said, I didn't think I said to anyone at all, at least details. <laughs> and oh, yeah. Yeah. My coworker was like, can't wait for your podcast to drop tomorrow. And I was like, fuck, what did I say there? And I didn't remember. Um, oh, yeah. And you have to like play it back. I'm like, oh, shit. Yeah. What I say? What I say? And every time I think of a new person, I'm like, oh, shit. I don't think too much about it. But I think that's a good thing. Being vulnerable is a lot like stripping. When you go into a strip club and you physically strip or see a lot of naked people, there's definitely a market for that, right? You go in, you pay money, everyone's naked, and everyone's really comfortable with that. But I think there's just a stigma with like internal stripping, like emotional or like being psychologically open or people are very closed off about. And I think there's something wrong with that. Why are we so easily getting naked physically? Yet when we talk about our emotions, like, oh, I like you, I love you and things like that. Everyone's like, oh my God, that's too much. And I think there's something fundamentally closed off or constipated about that type of thinking. 
think about this in a different way. When you go in a strip club, there's a payment and transfer of services. You pay money and then someone gets naked for you, right? That's in a public setting. But then when you go into, let's say, another setting for internal stripping, there is no marketplace for that currently. There isn't a place where you can go in and pay for a service. Everyone is internally stripping, being emotionally vulnerable and things like that, unless it's behind closed doors. It's a very private setting where it's you and your therapist or a psychiatrist or someone, unless you do group therapy, but that's still a little taboo. I would challenge you guys to think about why that is the case. Why do we do this? There's this perception of vulnerability being cringy or like weak. Mm -hmm. And they're like, oh, I hear that so much in the media. And it's just a group of people crying and holding hands and shit. And that's not really what being vulnerable is. You can be vulnerable without doing all that fluffy stuff. I think there's definitely different forms of vulnerability. And it's a lot more simple than it sounds. Being vulnerable can be very powerful. A lot of people need it more than they think they do. So we actually Googled what vulnerability is and what that looks like. So from our research, vulnerability means to consciously choose to not hide your emotions or desires from others and to freely express your thoughts, feelings, desires, regardless of what others may think of you. And three myths of being vulnerable is A, vulnerability is a weakness. B, some of us don't experience vulnerability. And C, vulnerability means spilling your secrets or letting it all hang out. Now that we know what the definition of vulnerability is, what were some of the misconceptions you had about vulnerability and what that means to you? The third myth that we mentioned was something that I had a giant misconception with. I grew up thinking I was super vulnerable. I thought I was a really open person and with people I just met or dates. I think I was talking to my therapist and I was revealing my entire life story and all the struggles I was going through, especially with all the shit in SF last year and then my diagnosis this year and a bunch of struggles I was going through. And he was like, wow, how does it feel to talk about all that? My response was just really underwhelming. I was just like, nothing. I do that all the time. So I thought I was very, very open and very vulnerable. But then someone mentioned to me that vulnerability isn't about being open and telling people what your secrets or whatever are and what your struggles were. It's about revealing how you feel about things. And when I reflect on how I was talking about my struggles, I always made it sound like really fun and interesting. Like, look at all the exciting things I did. Like I rode motorcycles without a helmet and I go on all these dates and hookups. I was shopping all the time. I got in so much debt and it just sounded kind of crazy, but it sounded like, oh, you're just young doing all these things. And people around me always thought I was super chill and super hype and very open and whatever. But in reality, I was super miserable and I was really guilty all the time about myself and about what I was doing in relation to my family. And I was really lonely. I would do risky things because I didn't really value my life that much because I always thought, what's the worst that could happen? I die. Like, I just stop existing. That's like the worst that could happen, which is a very horrible way to think. When I talk to people, especially on dates, I would say all this stuff and it would almost attract them more because they're like, ooh, you're so daring. You're so down for everything. But in reality, I was really insecure and I did a bunch of things because I felt worthless. But if you told me literally any of this at the time, I would have shut you up so fast. Because I truly didn't believe it. Looking back now, I was in denial because I didn't have the emotional vocabulary to identify what I was feeling. It's very obvious to me now. It's not normal to sit in your bed for a long, long period of time feeling so empty and doing that every single day and drinking and smoking and hookups and repeating that over and over again and throwing myself into random weird experiences just so I could have a distraction and also not connecting with any of my friends. I definitely am very, very not vulnerable, I realized, with how I feel about things. I'm just very, very open. And it's like telling stories almost. I think everything that you said about your opinions and feelings, those are everything that you weren't necessarily accepting or being vulnerable with yourself. 
when someone's not being super open and vulnerable, how you can help someone was the difficult thing that I had to balance. I think it's a very tricky thing when someone is in denial, especially when it's related to mental health. If someone is in denial and they're experiencing symptoms of depression or something else, I think the first step is to really educate yourself. I'm not an expert in this. I think confrontation is important, but I think the way Nelly did it was like you were with me. It didn't feel like you were coming in from the outside attacking or like even if you felt that way, it didn't appear that way to me. I think people are very sensitive when they're in denial and they won't necessarily interpret it as sensitive. They'll just get very defensive and not realize they're being defensive. And they'll be like, what are you talking about? I have no issues. They'll be very quick to push you away. Once you're pushed away, you can't do anything. So I think showing them that you're with them is really important. I think when I saw how genuinely concerned you were, I was like, oh, wow, Nelly really cares about me. And she made it very obvious that she cares about me. And it made me want to show her that I did acknowledge her opinion. And it felt safer because I didn't feel like she was directly judging me. She was just worried about me. And at the time, I wouldn't say that, obviously. I was like, I don't care about judgment, but I did. And I think a lot of people do. I think once you create a safe environment for someone, it's a lot more likely that they'll be vulnerable with you. I think it's actually when you mentioned something about my mom that got me out of that loop because I called her and I wanted to make sure that she trusted me. And I think the whole thing was I remembered that there were people that loved me and that it would make them sad or hurt them if I did something crazy or risky and did not acknowledge their thoughts or opinions whatsoever. And it made me sad picturing my mom thinking she had zero influence over me and I was going to do whatever crazy shit I wanted. But I didn't want to do that. I think I really attribute it to showing that you really care about someone and value someone and creating a safe environment for them, making it very obvious that you accept them and that you're not going to judge them for what you're doing. If anything, you're worried and you care. It's not because you're judging. I think that's the really important thing. And I say this, but I have a really hard time being vulnerable with the people closest to me because I have a deep fear of intimacy and exposing too much of myself and how I feel and what I really think of myself sometimes because if they knew all of me they would realize that I'm pathetic. Is it like the fear of being abandoned or rejection that causes people to be afraid of being vulnerable? I think that's true. And I think most people won't admit it. Even what I just said right now, how I have a deep fear of showing people who I am because I think they would think I'm pathetic. I don't necessarily have those thoughts consciously, but I could observe them and reflect on it and realize that's why I feel so uncomfortable revealing certain things. And I think this is part of that other misconception of vulnerability that we talked about, that some people aren't capable of it. And I thought that was me. I was just like, there's nothing to be vulnerable about. I can't be vulnerable and cry about stuff because I have nothing to cry about. It's really difficult to be vulnerable or even think about the possibility of being vulnerable with other people when you believe you don't need it. And that's really putting yourself in denial because everybody has difficulties. Human life is suffering. And just because you're not crying and woe is me when you're alone doesn't mean you're not suffering with anything. I don't believe I ever pitied myself during that time. I just shat on myself and I don't even know if it was conscious. Confidence and self-esteem are two different things. I think superficially, I had really high confidence. But reflecting now, my self-esteem can be really low. And it takes a lot of confidence to be able to be vulnerable in expressing your darker or more pathetic emotions to other people. And by doing that, you might discover emotions and struggles that you've had or desires or motives that you have that you wouldn't have reflected on when you're by yourself. 
The misconception we talked about earlier where people think that vulnerability is a weakness is really important. You can have weaknesses. Sharing your insecurities is strong and people can respect you more for it. But I think people are afraid to because they think it's going to crumble or cancel out the qualities that make them strong or the confidence that they do have. I think if we are all more vulnerable and kind of normalize these conversations, everyone will wake up to the fact that being vulnerable isn't equal to weakness and have a better picture of what real humans act like and think and struggle with. How about you, Nelly? What was your perception of vulnerability and your history with it? I think the biggest misconception that I had about being vulnerable was that it was just talking about your emotions and crying all the time. And I felt like complaining or feeling sorry for yourself was just a waste of time. What are you going to do out of that? Being emotional and crying, I felt like that was super unproductive. <laughs> yeah, I draw everything back to productivity. But I honestly felt being vulnerable was just a waste of time. Like, so what if life is hard or shitty things happen? I just think about all the other privileges or luxuries that I have had in my life, that I have food, I have shelter, I am getting an education, things that other people don't have. Most of the world probably have a shittier life than I do. They don't have food and things like that. Thinking about the worst case scenario helps me feel my situation is not that bad. So I don't necessarily need to complain about it or even show my emotions about how I feel. So I felt like being vulnerable and communicating all of the internal thoughts that I had in my head was just frankly a waste of time and just so unnecessary. What are you going to do? Spend an hour talking to your friend about how you feel? I was like, what the fuck is that going to do? That's not going to do anything. So that's the biggest misconception. I thought it was just people sitting together, just complaining and crying. I definitely think it's that misconception or that myth of letting it all hang out. Now that I'm older and more mature and Google the definition, <laughs> I know that it's being honest with yourself and others about how you feel about certain situations and setting boundaries and kind of being more truthful about if you are angry, you can express that in a healthy way. If you're sad, you can express that in a healthy way. Now that I know what vulnerability is, I think I am a lot more vulnerable than I used to think. It's this vibe of not giving a fuck too much or that you tell it like it is. I never really sugarcoat my words or things that I'm thinking. I communicate in like, okay, these are the words that I can use to get from point A to point B. So I'm just going to use these words because that's the most efficient path. So I don't necessarily think about how am I going to phrase this or do this. I am my most authentic self when I am communicating about certain things. But obviously, there are things that I choose to omit from talking about. So if I am sad, I will choose to omit speaking about that. Yeah, I think you are unusually vulnerable in certain situations and very honest and direct. But you mentioned that sometimes you omit the parts when you're sad. And I definitely see the part where you're very, very efficient. But sometimes with things like being sad isn't really a thing for efficiency. Like you never have to explain to someone else what you're feeling shitty about or what you're feeling insecure about because it's not efficient. And you mentioned that you would remind yourself of things that would make you feel less bad. Do you ever feel like you're minimizing your experiences or doing yourself a disservice by not actually being vulnerable? about those things, even if it's not necessarily efficient for productivity? Oh, yes, 100%. Recently, I've come to terms with understanding that being vulnerable with others and yourself, feeling your feelings and not necessarily shaming yourself for feeling certain things, that is more of a healthy way to approach life. 
when I was super young, like in elementary school or high school, you are more aware of what other people think of you. So you would tend to be less vulnerable or not talk about certain things that you would perceive as a weakness. But now that I am older, my mentality is 180 degrees flipped. I'm just kind of like, I don't give a fuck about what anyone thinks of me. I really do not care because of two things that I think is we're all going to die anyway. Everyone we know, everyone we love, everyone we give a shit about, we're all going to die. Nothing really matters on earth. Like literally nothing matters matters am I going to care about this in five years or ten years that's my mentality and I don't think most of the things that we worry about today we really care about I feel like that really helped me be more vulnerable because I'm like shit I'm sad you're sad cool we're both sad move on and then there's also the spotlight effect the definition of the spotlight effect is that a phenomenon in which people tend to believe they are being noticed more than they really are. And the reason for the spotlight effect is the innate tendency to forget that although one is the center of one's own world, one is not the center of everyone else's. And I learned about this concept in my psych class in high school. So once I learned about that, I was like, oh shit, no one's special. No one gives a shit about what anyone else is doing. So every time I am vulnerable, I don't really care because I'm like, oh, no one's going to remember it. It's awesome. It's fine. (laughs) That's chill. So I think those two concepts of my mentality definitely helped me open up and be more vulnerable. But there are certain things that I just omit from saying. Obviously, if someone asks me, I will be honest and vulnerable with them. But a lot of times people don't ask you how you're doing. And if they don't ask me how I'm doing, I don't necessarily give that information to them. How are you doing, Nelly? (laughs) I'm great. I'm great now. Speaking of vulnerability, I'm not super sure how vulnerable you are being right now. Talking to you recently, especially after starting this podcast, I feel like our conversations became more vulnerable. Things that you were vulnerable about surprised me. What are you most afraid to be vulnerable about? Most of my emotions I express openly, except for the emotion of being sad. And I think I hate when I am sad or I hate when I am depressed. And it's something that I wish I didn't feel. And I feel like saying that I do feel it makes it real. So I just ignore it or I just acknowledge that I feel it, but I don't tell anyone and I don't necessarily express it on my face. And I think it's mostly because I don't want to bring in more sadness or pain to anyone else. So I think about the world in terms of more like a utilitarian thought (laughs) of action equals to positive or negative. And if my action into this system will cause more negativity than positivity, then I will just omit from bringing it out into actuality. So I think if I can talk about something that is sad or that I am feeling and everyone else hearing that will decrease their positivity into being negative, then what's the point? And if I can feel sad by myself and not affect anyone else's sadness and I can find a solution or an action item for me to do, then I can just go and do that myself. What's the point of making someone else feel sad or having that burden onto someone else? So I think for a long time, I kept everything in, like bottled everything in, and I never really told anyone this. I don't think I openly said that I was going through it. I just would go to class and then come home and there's these steps outside of my apartment. I'm like, oh shit, no one really used these steps. I'm just gonna cry here and then go into my room and then no one will see me. <laughs> and then I think this one time I was in the bathroom and I was crying, but I didn't make any noise. It was like such a quiet time. It was like five minutes and my roommate thought I was smoking weed in the bathroom and I was trying to like, be secretive about it because my eyes were red. And for like the whole entire too much, just thought I was a pothead just smoking weed all the time in the bathroom. But yeah, she never knew about anything until maybe like a year later. And she was like, oh my God, that makes so much more sense now. 
Yeah, you mentioned that in the outside world, you never really show people and people can't really tell that you're sad. But when you're home, sometimes you can't hide that. And I remember you mentioned something about when you're really sad, then you don't show anything. But when you're a little sad, then you cry. Or you'll find tiny reasons to cry and say that you cry because you're hungry when you're really sad about something else. Could you elaborate on that a bit? Oh, yeah. I cry about really stupid things because it makes me feel like it's okay to cry about and it's not that serious. So I don't make anyone else sad. So, for example, I would cry about being hungry for like, stupid reasons. Oh, like I watched this documentary, made me sad, and then I will cry for hours about it. I don't want to make anyone else worried or sad about whatever I'm feeling. So, if I can attribute it to something that's a trivial reason, then no one else would care too much because it's like, oh, whatever, you're hungry, you cry, it's fine. This one time, I was in my bed. I just woke up. Okay, at that time, I was actually really hungry, but I was also sad. I like woke up and I was crying. And my roommate comes in and she looks at me and she's just like, "You good, bro?" <laughs> and then she leaves. And that was hilarious because it actually made me laugh. In my head, being vulnerable was just making everyone miserable. But I think you can still share your feelings and not feel miserable because during that time when I was crying and she was being kind of funny but not on purpose, it made both of us laugh. And it's just having that empathy for someone else and what they're feeling, but not necessarily wallowing in that feeling of negativity. So being vulnerable can actually drag yourself out of the shithole that you're feeling, and not like you're dragging someone into your own shithole, but people are helping you out of it. And I'm like, oh, that change in mentality of If I talk about it and people can cheer me up, action equals the positive points. So technically, it's good to be vulnerable. I never gave the opportunity to myself or other people to help me because I would always talk about everything in a very nonchalant and fun way when I was really dying inside. And I feel like a lot of people can relate to this, whether they're aware of it or not. And we seem to be in a culture right now of fearing intimacy and not being open and vulnerable. Why do you think this is the case? I think a lot of us feel super isolated and lonely, and we kind of don't admit that openly or refuse to admit that because, in addition to growing up in this digital age where you have social media and all of this connectivity, that inherently isolates us in terms of not necessarily having these face-to-face -face interactions more than ever now in times of COVID, where we're really isolated and we won't make that phone call or video chat. And I think with the increase of technology and social media and things like that. I used to be more open to people phone calling me, and now if someone calls me out of the blue, I'm like, "What are you doing?" That's like, "Whoa, that's too much." I think I prefer people texting me, and I think more now it's just like, "Oh, just social media interactions," and less of "How are you?" and a text conversation is more like just liking each other on social media and commenting on this and this and tagging each other. It definitely skews our perception of how life is supposed to be, and just shows us the highlight reels of everyone's life. Everyone's happy. Everyone's beautiful. Everyone's doing X, Y, Z. It's so exciting, and we don't really see the ugly aspects because obviously you don't really want to put that out there. But I think that skews the percentage of oh, everyone else is happy and doing all these amazing things, and it makes you feel like okay, what am I doing? What am I not doing? Things like that. And I feel like that's the whole idea with our podcast is just trying to break that stigma of talking about the uncomfortable taboo things that no one really wants to talk about. That drives us to be less open and vulnerable because we don't think that we'll be accepted and in turn rejected for how we feel and our experiences. And I think that feeds into the fear of being intimate. 
with Tinder and hookup culture driving each other into this place of, oh, if I say my real feelings first, that's kind of like losing. And you're more okay with just hooking up and saying, oh, I don't like you like that. Oh, if I am the last person to admit that, then technically I win. And it's this mentality more so in younger people or people our age. No one wants to be the first to be open with their feelings and their emotions. Yeah, I really think that the fact that people are not really open to each other and don't want to expose themselves make people have a warped perception of what's wrong with them. When you share with another person your insecurities or what you're worried about, what you're going through, it can provide a lot of comfort and reassurance that it's not what's wrong with you. I was talking to someone close to me recently, something about entering a new culture and how I behave and how I become mute sometimes. And she was super shocked because she was like, oh, I would never expect you to be like that. And it made her feel so much better because she realized that she's not alone and she's not the only one who experiences these things. That's something we can all do a lot more. And it would help yourself too, not just the other person being more vulnerable in the right situation and times and not letting all hang, but just choosing to talk about certain things that don't necessarily look nice or pretty or it's not nicely wrapped up in a cute little bow tie and just being more vulnerable about how you feel about certain things. Having more open conversations makes it so that you're less isolated from everyone. I think that conversation definitely made the workplace environment more friendly. If you're going through something hard, be compassionate, be empathetic. Be a human being, basically. Yeah, I really liked what you did for work with that setting because one thing that makes people a lot more likely to be vulnerable and feel comfortable and also not regret being vulnerable is when it's done in a group setting or even one-on-one where the expectations for all the people there are to be more vulnerable. And you can kind of relate and share your struggles and experiences and things and it's not so scary anymore. One situation or one environment that we're totally not vulnerable in is the workplace environment we want to be professional and things like that but we're also all human and when we're quarantined at home and experiencing covid and grief and things like that and also with the protests we want to discuss these things and why it's important because our identity is not isolated into this one siloed compartment it's something that we carry with us and bring with us and it's important to talk about these topics for me it was so jarring to go to work and people aren't addressing these things. So when I bring it up at work and we were actually vulnerable about our feelings about the things going on in our country, what's happening, why we think this is going on, like just like sharing our personal experiences, it made us all more empathetic. Okay, I also cried on this Google Hangout in front of all my coworkers and I was like, this is my end. This is death. I think it's just the combination of me being young, female, person of color. I didn't want the impression to be like, oh, of course, so overly emotional. But I think it's important to be open about these topics because it is important and not ignore it because ignoring it means that, oh, yeah, this is normal, whatever. It's not important. I would also like to add that we just didn't sit around in a Google Hangout and cried all day. It was being honest with where we're at and how we can best help each other. And that ultimately makes the workplace definitely more friendly and welcoming and made the team a little bit more cohesive as well. Juno, do you have any experiences being a little bit more vulnerable at work? When I was struggling with my diagnosis of bipolar disorder, I mentioned to my coworker briefly that I was struggling, but I didn't really elaborate and I was being a little bit closed off. And then I remember we had a phone call and it was about something else, but eventually I just started exposing everything. 
And it turns out her roommate that she's really close to and supported for a long time also had bipolar disorder and she was super understanding and she ended up sharing a really personal, serious period that she went through and how that was like for her going to work and not sharing with people and all of her struggles. We also ended up talking for like four hours because we both have dismissive avoidant attachment and never met someone else who felt the way we did in relationships and our insecurities about not feeling how we're supposed to feel. It just made me feel so much better and realized that I could share this information with someone else at work and not just be accepted, but still be respected and encouraged. It's really nice to have someone on the team that I can relate to and feel like I can share things with, even if I initially thought it was really scary and inappropriate. I had a mentor who I had monthly one-on-ones with, and we would chat and talk about life. Being vulnerable and open and honest with each other definitely helped me understand, okay, what are your struggles and how you got to that position? So when I was a little bit more open and vulnerable and I told him what I was actually struggling with at work or just in life in general, not, oh, here's my whole entire life story, but just, hey, I have trouble focusing and paying attention, things like that. And these are what I'm working on. And then he gave me actual tactical advice that I can action on and improve my work. When I elaborated a little bit more about why I was struggling with these certain things, I was talking to him about ADHD and anxiety. Turns out that he also experienced similar things. And I think that was just a connection that I had. I'm like, oh my God, you can relate. You understand this advice that you're giving me is real. I can action on it. And maybe one day I can also be a director or have something of my own or start a company, write my own book. It makes it so that these struggles aren't barriers to your success and success and all the struggles. They're both things that you can experience and your intelligence is not limited by the things that you are afflicted with. I think hearing someone who is older than me, more successful and more wise, tell me all these things and that they also struggle. It makes it so that success isn't this intangible abstract concept that I can work towards it and these are the action items or skills or strategies that I can implement in my own life having that connection made it so that I can be honest and open and he can give me real advice that can help me get to where I need to go changing your mindset about vulnerability and how once you become more vulnerable it's not as scary as you think What helped me in terms of being more authentic and open and honest and sharing that with other people is, well, one, I think everyone's going to die to spotlight effect. But three, I think everyone is going through some sort of shitty experience or struggle and it's not taboo. It's fine. We'll go through something terrible and difficult in our lives. I often think about this poem I read in elementary school. It's called Mass by Shel Silverstein and it reads, She had blue skin, and so did he. He kept it hid, and so did she. They searched for blue their whole life through. They passed right by and never knew. And I think about this poem because it feels like we're all searching for connection. We're all searching for the sense of relatability, of another person understanding us. And I think that's one of the conditions of being human, that we always want this sort of bridge to another person's soul. We look for them through stories and poems and songs and things that express our feelings. Yet it's so difficult for us to directly say that to people that we care about, people we love. I think it's so important that every single feeling you're feeling is not unique to you. And another human being has probably felt that. And just knowing that you are not alone and you can share that with someone else 
and formulate another connection or another friend or another significant other through being vulnerable is so powerful. So Juno, any advice for our listeners on how to be a little bit more vulnerable? I think one important thing is being vulnerable while you feel shitty. I think a lot of people are more willing to talk about things after things happened. And that allows you to talk about it in a way more of a nonchalant way. And I think the first step is acknowledging your emotions. If it's too scary to elaborate and expose all of your emotions and feelings and insecurities at once, I think it's already a really admirable first step just to mention that you're upset or mention that you feel frustrated or mention that you feel sad when you're alone. For some people, it's even harder to do that and you're just in denial. And because you don't have practice expressing it to other people and you don't have practice being vulnerable, it's just so unnatural and difficult on your own. When you're feeling shitty, it's really easy to feel like, oh, nobody would want to talk to me when I feel like this. I'm probably so boring or so whatever, or it's going to burden other people. But the people who really love you want to know when that's happening and they want to be able to help you. It meant a lot to me when I was feeling shitty one time and I messaged my cousin and she made me feel way better. And it was mind blowing to me how accepting and encouraging she was, even when I was giving two word responses and being pretty shitty. So I think definitely reaching out to people when you feel bad or just stating what you feel. That helped me a lot with Nelly too. I would just Facebook message you and be like, I'm sad. I think I'm in a depressive episode. And it meant a lot to me that you're still accepted and they still care about you. The people who are your friends are your friends for a reason and they want to be there for you. And for everyone who is also emotionally stunted a little bit or constipated emotionally it helps to keep a spreadsheet or some sort of log of how you're feeling and when you're feeling i think it's super helpful for me so i kept a 30-day log spreadsheet form of hour by hour what emotion i was feeling because sometimes i don't know you don't think about it being self-aware and vulnerable with yourself is the first step in being vulnerable with others i downloaded a mood tracker Being able to look back on when I felt good, when I didn't feel good, and what I was doing at the time gave me a lot of insight to myself and what I feel. Any other advice that you want to give, Nelly, or concluding thoughts? Be brave, be vulnerable, and go out there and strip your little heart out. Amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, everyone, for listening to episode four of Two Addies and a Coffee, Please.